0: Bluey, Blue-Eye Samurai, and Case of the Golden Idol. This is Staying In. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. Auld Lang Syne. Yes, thank you, Sam. Happy Let's New Year. Let's just get
0: that out
2: of the way. Should all do you the, know the lyrics? be... Do, do you know the lyrics, Sam? Yeah, of course I do. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't. I've never known the <laughs> lyrics. Well, it's kind of one of those songs where... I don't think... I mean, I do know the lyrics, but I don't think many people do. But I, I just don't think it really matters. It's more of the... It's more of the act. It's more in the act. And in the... You know, you can just go... Old Lanzine!
1: It's the same with the 12 days of Christmas. (laughs) Five gold rings. (laughs) Um, So um, I'm recording in a different place this evening because I've had to wait around for a package to arrive. Okay. Um, I've had a hell of a day. Um, Thanks for asking. Uh, I have been struggling to get this package delivered to me um, because the app is awful. You're starting the new year off. I know. With a bang. I thought, okay, right. It's still not been delivered to me. I'm just going to go... I'm going to go straight into their sanctum. I'm going to go to the depot. I'm going to drive 30 minutes in my car and pick up the package. Um, I turned up there and there's no one on the desk. You have to ring a little phone number. Beep, beep, And you speak to essentially what sounds to be some kind of call centre, but it's in the building somewhere. And I have to give them my postcode and everything. And... I wait and they said, okay, do you mind waiting? Okay. I wait like 10, 15 minutes, have a couple of rounds of not words on the phone. Uh, oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh there's an awkward moment where another bloke came in for his package and there's only one chair in the room, and I'm sat on it. It's like, oh, do I uh, do I defer? Mm. Or oh, no, I was here first. Older, younger? I couldn't tell. That's the age I am now. I couldn't tell. <laughs> and <laughs> then then somebody comes to the desk behind. Oh, yep. Brilliant. They said, Okay, brilliant, yep. Thank you. Yeah, I logged it on the app that I had to come and pick it up from the depot. Cool. Yeah, sorry, it's already on the lorry heading to your home. Oh, brilliant. Right. Okay. So I get home and I could see the app had up, been updated. It had updated no, after I'd no. left the depot saying that, that it was on its way to me. So clearly they'd forgotten to put it in the lorry beforehand and panicked and chucked it in the lorry and sent it to me <coughs> rather than giving it to me there. And you get a window, 20 past six to 20 past eight, and I'm not allowed to leave it, let it be left with a neighbour I'm not allowed it to oh, have it in it a safe allowed. place. Yeah, just come on. It's exactly,
2: 20, it's 2024. Like exactly, I, I just think like if we learn one thing from the pandemic, it was just to be a little bit more loose when it comes to completely leaving leaving a package and not having to sign for everything.
1: It's interesting you say this because literally 10 minutes ago, package turns up. The bloke, oh.
2: the bloke sheepishly there
1: walks up and says, "Oh, you've had a you had a long drive today, didn't you?" I said, "Yes, I did." <laughs> Uh, what did he know he knew i don't know how he knew and i said i started to complain saying look it's ridiculous you weren't allowed to leave it with a neighbor you weren't allowed to leave it in a safe place spoilers it's a purse for my sister i bought for her birthday you can easily slip it through the letterbox and the bloke said yeah i know if it was me i would have just left it but unfortunately <clears> that we have somebody at the depot who goes through just all the pictures we take we have to take a picture of it with a door open to show that it's got there and he says, uh, between you and me, I, actually have a, I just have a pair of wellies in the, uh, the lorry. So I'll, occasionally I'll just put them outside somebody's house and just take a picture <laughs> so it looks like somebody's stood outside.
2: That's brilliant. That's br- I, I almost thought you were going to say he has like an Ardman style like <laughs> set in the back of his
0: van. He spends hours making miniatures of all the packages he holds. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> what, I love, what I love is that no one at his place of work is twig, that every person that he goes to, the majority of them will be in wellies that receive packages. Always the same pair of wellies. That's great. So I've not started the new year too positively, I'm not going to lie. New Year resolutions time. Okay. I'm going to tie something together from last year. One of my New Year's resolutions this year is to be a better loser.
2: All right, yeah, absolutely. I, I can, I can, I could
1: agree with that. Yep. And you may want to also, Sam, you know, take a leaf out of my book as well in that regard. But I'm. What? Go- yep. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're not as bad as me, but you're a little bit bad. <laughs> you're not as bad as me by any stretch of the imagination, but occasionally I'll see it. Well, why did you do that for? But I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible, and I need to try. I need to try and work out why. And I'm going to use this mm. year to do a little bit of soul searching, to try and and to try and get to the nub of that matter. Yeah, play to play, not play to win. Exactly, Sam. Yes. So that that's yeah. that's that's my other than obviously getting married, that's going to be a big.
2: Yeah, but that's going to happen. That's not really a resolution. That's just yeah, that's, going to happen.
1: That's that's more likely that I'm going to get married than I am going to get disgruntled from losing a game. So Sam, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a better loser. What are you going to be this year?
2: Hmm, well, better loser, apparently. Well, only a little bit. You're fine, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> Just a little a little better loser. Um, I'd not really thought about resolutions for this year, actually. So so yeah, so I feel like um I've I've been doing really well on my time cap app. I think I think if I remember correctly, my resolution from last year, I don't know how long I've been doing this actually for. I wanted to establish good habits. Um, basically setting myself oh i've been doing this for two years Wow! is by setting myself basically um, to listen to a new album every month from an artist i've never heard of before to play 10 hours of video games have four hours of audiobooks finish a book slash comic every month the the comic bit was very important there because it kind of gets me out of a hole (laughs) You you could
0: you could bash one of them out in 20 minutes yeah that's what i
2: mean like it's just like yeah yeah fine i'm not gonna make it let's just bash out half half 11 on the last day of the month (laughs) garfield (laughs) and then um and then watch a film every month so maybe i add or i amend one of these things before the end of the podcast
1: yeah because i think that's quite a nice amount per month i don't know if you want to add anything on top of that i think it's a one-in-one out thing isn't it really
2: yeah absolutely i like that
1: i think i might i might get into that out this year actually Build, build a new habit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think something that just keeps a track of things because you, you, that's the thing in January. You start with these wonderful ideas. You know, I'm, the amount of times as a child I started a diary and then it peters out mid-February and I never mm. picked it up again when I was a kid. So I knew exactly. I've got a very good knowledge of what I did every January for when I was like, you know, 10 <laughs> to 14 years old. <laughs> but that was it really. Dan, what about yourself? New Year's resolutions?
0: Well, I think last year I had something similar to Sam in terms of kind of accomplishing things and kind of new habits and wanting to finish things. So I think I wanted to finish games and stuff. I don't think I quite managed that. I think I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I think six games, I'd said, like one every two months. I remember that. But my New Year's resolution this year is, I think, going to be quite a tough one.
1: Yes, now I remember you telling us this is this is this is a big one. This is done.
0: Yeah, because I I've realised what I tend to do. I'll have say certain series or something that I've maybe watched in the past, and I like to just kind of have it on in the background. So, for example, this year I watched kind of House, which I'd watched a lot of before. Maybe not all of it, but I'd watched most of it. So I watched House or stuff like comedies. Like in the past, I've watched Big Bang Theory or gone through the whole series of Brooklyn Nine Nine and those kind of things. So i've ended up re-watching them and so i just spend a lot of time watching stuff that i've already watched so i thought okay okay for 2024 i want to only watch new stuff okay so and and this
1: and this is stuff that's new to you it's not stuff that's coming out in yes this isn't
0: stuff new to me now there are some caveats to this the two main caveats being one caveat I'm not going to stop my wife watching something because I've already seen it. So like in that environment, like if if we're watching something together, then it can be something I've already watched.
2: What, what, is there a loophole there where your wife could start something and then leave the room and go and do something else? Oh, that's hilarious. It's
0: it's not that sweet. I don't have to kind of just pause it, cover my eyes and wait for her to re-enter.
2: I mean, that's how you get a complex. Yeah, no, but, but, but what I mean is like, you really want to watch some Parks and Rec this evening. Oh, oh, wife! Could you just, could you just put this up? Oh, oh no! And now she's left the room, and now you just sat watching Parks and Rec for the evening.
1: Dan, Dan, how do you feel about Sam's little um, extract there from what he thinks married life is like for you? Do you, do you ever holler to your wife and just say, <laughs> "Oh, wife, oh,
0: wife, dear"? <laughs> I was trying to be respectful of boundaries. That was
1: like Robin Hood in Shrek. Oh, merry man! <laughs>
0: what, what it has meant is, I recently bought the four K blu-ray of the lord of the rings extended edition which i haven't seen in a long time and hmm. i decided to buy it because i saw it for a good price and i wanted i'd only ever got like the dvds of the original theatrical version and this is kind of the extended and the theatrical in 4k and it is beautiful oh yeah um but it did mean i have seen those before so it did mean either because i've been reading the books i've been listening to the audiobooks i've been going all in on it and i but i thought I'm not gonna be able to kind of read the books and finish the audiobooks before New Year's. So I'm having to watch those kind of now, prior to New Year's, just so I can enjoy them, just so I don't kind of break it within the first few weeks of uh, of twenty twenty four. So that's that's my challenge. It's a it's a tricky one. So yeah. games, TV, film should be all new things.
1: Well, speaking of new things, we're going to do something a bit different for our New Year's. We oh, yeah.
2: I'm excited about
1: I this. I am as well because I, this is one of my favorite times of the year, the beginning of a year, the end of a previous year. Because particularly online, like lots of different content providers that I follow like on YouTube will do their like, top five or top ten of the year. So particularly for board yeah. games, it's a really great way for me to kind of just mop up. And get a sense of what the bit the new hotness was for the year, what were the big games, because sometimes I keep you know up to date with what's going on in board games, but other times I will just lose track of it really. So a top five list or a top ten of the year I find very, very useful in terms of just understanding, okay, cool. This these are the current trends in this particular um particular kind of um cultural um enterprise. So we've done this. We've each done a top five, and and a bit like what Dan was saying there beforehand. These weren't all things that came out last year, but they these were things that were new for us uh, last year.
0: Yeah, these these were the these were the best things that we enjoyed last year. Yeah, and Pete's Pete's not with us, but we do have his uh, yeah his, yeah. his, his list we, as we, well.
2: Do we do have Pete's top five? We, we did kind of miss the brief ever, yes. ever so slightly, either intentionally or swerved. Right around it. But... Are we going
1: to do all the fives, then all the fours, then all the threes, then all the twos, then all the ones?
2: Well, mine's not in
1: order really. It's
0: oh. just a. Oh, mine is. I spent a long time getting mine in order.
1: Nah, nah. Well, Sab, g- given the fact that you were the architect, for the reason why we're doing this, we we're all inspired by your you having your top 10 or top five of different things you have. So books, comics, mm-hmm. games, films, TV series, um, cutlery, I don't know, etc. <laughs> Do you want to start? So
2: what is your number five that isn't your number five? <laughs> my number five that isn't my number yes. five? Um, so my number five that isn't the number five is The In Cal by uh, Jodorowsky and Morbius. Um, so um, uh, sort of the middle part of 2023, um, a friend of mine... Um, who we, we, we started to do a bit of a cultural exchange where, like, I would lend him something and then he would lend, lend me something. And it was really, really nice because, like, over the course of several months, I was lending him lots of comics and books that he hadn't read and he was doing the same with me. And he was like, have you ever read The Inkaw before? and I was like, I had no idea what The Inkaw was. And he said, well, it's a graphic novel written by Jadorowski And I've heard of Jadorowski before because of the legendary... June. June so Jadarowski was this um filmmaker who was the f- one of the first people or the first person to really try and figure out how to put Frank herbert's Dune onto the screen and make a film mm. out of it and there's a really really if you if you've got like an hour and a half to spare the documentary about him trying to put this put this film together it is and remains in my mind probably one of the biggest creative um acts of creative ambition i've ever heard of in my life so what happened was he basically brought all these people together created this book which was a shot for shot you know um screenplay both the screenplay and storyboard of exactly how the film would pan out i think i think he envisaged it be about five hours long or something like that or maybe even maybe even longer and basically couldn't couldn't find anyone to buy it Couldn't find anyone to finance it. So what he ended up doing was he took all of those ideas and turned it into the InCal. And basically, without the InCal, we would not have The Matrix. Without the InCal, we would not have Fifth Element. Without the InCal, we wouldn't have Akira or Blade Runner. Like, it is like the... for for a lot of creators and for a lot of sci-fi work, for many people it is just the complete zenith of of all of those. And it's just, as a piece of art and a piece of sci-fi, it is bewildering, it is vast, it is deep, it is incredible. And I think at some points it's a bit, it's very nonsensical. (laughs) It's very nonsensical and like barely hangs together and sometimes I think it's being weird for weird sake. Right. But as a sheer work of creative ambition, I've not read a graphic novel face basically like the InCal. Right,
0: and that and that's mm. your and that's your number five.
2: Yeah.
1: <coughs> now Dan, um your number five is quite similar to this, isn't it?
0: Um no, so my number five, uh Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order um, so this came out back in 2019, um, which was a lifetime ago. And then I was just looking for something kind of... Uh, it's just something to play, and I kind of I'd stumbled across it, and I found it cheap, maybe like 15 quid or something like that. So I thought, you know what? I'll give it a go. It, it looks interesting. And as I'd looked into it a bit more, I'd seen, actually, yes, it's published by EA, but it's actually made by Respawn, who obviously yeah. made mm-hmm. kind of Titanfall and Titanfall yeah. 2, which I absolutely loved. I thought was fantastic. I was like, okay, well, this is this is a bit more interesting then. And I, I actually do, I am a big fan of this company. They make really good action adventure games. Um, so I'll give it a go. Um, I'm I'm a fan of Star Wars. I'm not kind of like insane fan, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I've seen all the films. I've watched most of the TV shows. Um, and so I thought I'd give it a go. And I was really, really happily surprised by it. Like it's one of those things where you go in with, I wouldn't say low expectations, but kind of just like, <laughs> I'm just going to have a have a nice time and just, if it's a bit janky at times, that's okay. I'm not expecting it to be mind-blowing. But I started playing it and he was like, well, this is kind of reminding me of like Uncharted and stuff. And that's kind of, for yeah. me, that's a very high bar. If I'm getting reminded of those kind of games, that's really good. And then certain kind of mechanics of it, you start to think, oh, it's a little bit kind of, it's hard in the in the sense of like, not to the extent, but similar like to your Souls games. So there is, some of it's are oh, really hard and it's quite technical. And and just the more I was playing it, I was like, this is just really good. It's a really well-told story. It stars... Um,
2: oh, the world's blandest actor.
0: It stars uh, Cameron Monaghan, who uh, probably most people know from uh, Gotham. I mean, to be fair, most people probably know him from this now. Um, but a lot of people would know from Gotham, who played... The Joker in various incarnations. Oh, I've never really yeah, they, couldn't, they couldn't
1: they couldn't use the name Joker. Yeah, they had to call him something Jeremiah something. <laughs> his name yeah. was, but yeah, he was the
0: Joker. Jeremiah Oka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he plays kind of Carl Kestis, um, and it's it, they 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 very wisely, which is something that kind of always annoyed me about the Battlefront games. They very wisely said, okay. They do the thing that Andor does and the Mandalorian does to an extent of kind of like, okay, we're in this universe. Let's just point the camera in a slightly different direction and let's see what's happening over here. Um, and you get some really interesting characters, some inventive worlds, similar to kind of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I really like this year as well, where the worlds are really interesting and kind of creative and they do a lot with it. And yeah, kind of I'm really looking forward to playing the sequel kind of star wars jedi survivor which got very good reviews yeah um so i mean i'm i'm highly expecting if we do this top five next year to have kind of the sequel to this game in my top five next year so yeah it was a it was a lovely surprise um and yes that's my number five for the year
1: i'm so glad you mentioned this dan because i've literally been playing this today i've been playing it for the last few weeks or so and you're absolutely right for me it gave me the nostalgic tingles of playing Jedi power battles back in 1999, because all I want to play as to get that feeling of is being a Jedi. And here you do Mm -hmm. in spades. You can kind of use the force to pull stuff towards you and fling it back. So when you pull a stormtrooper towards you, you're dragging them towards you, and then you can fling them into other people. Um, You can do like flips in the air. You can get like a dual wielding lightsaber. And it does a really elegant thing, because you're really just cycling through a small selection of planets. And it feels a lot to me like um, one of the newer Tomb Raider games, uh, the second one of the newer ones. Mm. Um, I think it's Sh- Rise. yeah, Rise of the Tomb Raider. And like that that Tomb Raider game, it has some genuinely really good puzzles. And I've seen oh my word, I wasn't expecting this. I get to be v- 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 but also solve some puzzles. A la a Tomb Raider game. This mm. is great. And I got it for free on PS Plus. This is yeah. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So um, I've got to come to Sam now and say thank you, Sam. Why? Um, for recommending me The Free Body Problem. Cause oh, yes. Because the second book in the series, Dark Forest, is my number five of 2023. Um, the book came out in 2008, so it's an old book. Mm-hmm. But it's probably my favourite science fiction book I've ever read, I would say, quite frankly. I've actually given my book to a co- colleague who also loved it and has just devoured it. Um I know you've spoken about it briefly on a podcast, but um, and obviously I've only read the first two books of this epic trilogy. And yes, there is a Netflix series coming, I think this year, um, which is an adaptation of the series. Um, But this particular book, um, it's about how the planet Earth is preparing for an alien invasion, except that invasion is not going to arrive here for another 400 years. Mm -hmm. And how humanity puts together a plan despite the fact that this alien race is able to monitor everything they do and say. And they have to put their faith as a planet in four people. Four people who each come up with a plan, who are these are the wall faces, and any of the choices they make, any of the demands they make, cannot be questioned by the UN. As random as they may sound, because obviously the person can't explain their plan because the aliens will know what it is. And just yourself also as the reader being kept out of the loop, trying to work out what, is, what are these people doing that is going to save humanity at the same time, um, a nail-biting invasion, which is it's astonishing that it's nail-biting considering it takes place over 400 years, is taking place here. Yeah. And I found this book absolutely breathtaking and propulsive in a manner that i don't think the first one was as much even though i enjoyed the first one no. the second one just leaps into gear and has genuinely made it a very very enjoyable read so thank you sam that is my number five that is the dark forest
2: by shishin lu uh pete's number five in no particular order was home battery a dream come true pete's basically got a massive battery on the side of his house. <laughs> just a big of self. yeah Number four, one word, two syllables, eager. I'm so happy you picked this one. So you talked about this on episode
1: 169 of the pod. This is one of my favourite directors. I've not watched it yet. I'm waiting for the moment to watch it because I think I should probably watch it with one of you in the same way that when Mm. I started watching RRR, I said, I've got to stop this and watch this with somebody.
0: I think it needs to be experienced with someone.
1: I'm so thrilled this is one of your top five because that emboldens me more to go and watch it this year.
0: Well,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean I mean I look back at some of the films I watched this year, you know, like Oppenheimer and Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And I just think there is and and The Killer, which I think is which was a nearly a late entry into my top five because I think The Killer is an absolutely astounding oh, piece of work. Wow, but I've not seen it yet. Yeah. Neither have I. But I'm just I've just got a soft spot for David Fincher. Oh me too. Um, anyway. um anyway, but but I think eager um is just I think you know RRR had such a massive impact on on everyone who, who I know that that has, that has watched it, and I've been since then. I've been really eager to watch some more of of the work of, of SS Rajamouli and um, Dan. You, I can't. Was it that no one else could make it, and it was just me and you for a weekend?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think I think I think I think Chris couldn't make it anyway, and then Mother Nature came in and said, "No, no, no, Pete, yeah. you can't go either." So, yeah, so I was just like, well, so, I'll, I'll still come up. We'll have some fun. And, yeah, and I think we were just deciding what to do. We kind of like, we could we could watch this. We'd both kind of... <laughs> we could watch Eager. Yeah, because we'd both kind of... It's one of those things where when you've watched Ah, oh, 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 you do want to kind of say, well, what other stuff has he made? And then you stumble across this film. And as soon as you read the synopsis, you're kind of like, oh, I have to see this. And then we both like, you yeah. watch it? We were like, yeah, okay. Little did we know what we were letting ourselves in for.
2: I mean... How do you sum up this film? Basically, <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, a guy falls in love with a girl. Classic tale. Another guy gets jealous of, of said guy, s- kills the guy who's fallen in love with a girl, and then that guy gets reincarnated as a fly, and it is in fly form that he enacts his revenge. <laughs> I mean, it is the cat of Monte Cristo, isn't it? In a, in a world where we had, you know, man versus b and which was atrocious um eager manages to do something with its premise which is utterly bonkers and just you know an an idea that would otherwise be just thrown straight out and no one's going to be financing it but somehow made it into a compelling like like I think, I think the best way to sum it up is that me and Dan, through many of this, through watching this film, looked at each other many times and just burst in, <laughs> that, burst out That's laughing. That's what you want, yeah. But it was never at the expense of the film. We were, la- we were always laughing with it, never yeah, yeah. at it. Like it,
0: it knew exactly what it was doing.
2: It knew how ridiculous it was, but for some reason, it also, it also came across as entirely plausible. Yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't know how SS Rajamouli really gets away with it yeah. like how he balances tone and walks this this knife edge with and I've only seen two of his movies but I bloody well hope they're they're all the same but he just balances this knife edge between making someone fight a tiger single-handedly not come across as silly or puerile um but yet also appreciating the audience's capacity for the suspension of disbelief, and not completely like taking that for granted either. It's not like it's a, a film for kids,
0: like Man versus B.
2: No, no.
0: allowed itself to try and be, but like it's very much an adult. It's a very silly, childish premise, but it's very much an adult film treated with an adult Mm. tone that's a great way to put it
1: how long how long is it because
2: rrr is like three hours is eager of similar length i think it might be similar length bloody hell Yeah, it's (laughs) it's two it's two and a half hours and i remember speaking to dan and going they've made a film that's two and a half hours long about a man who gets reincarnated as a fly and enacts his revenge and you do not and just like with rrr you really do not feel that two and a half hour runtime and you guys know me like and if if I see a film is over an hour and a half, I've already doctor, yeah, doctor stuff off it. Like it's just I just find it infuriating where any film needs to be longer than an hour and a half, hour forty five tops. But eager, it's yeah, it, incredible.
0: My, my my number four is a film with a similarly silly premise. Um, Mm. but the tone of it is wildly different to Eager and this is also something that we discussed on the podcast, we actually discussed it very recently, only about four or five episodes ago, six episodes ago Um, and this is the absolute delight of a film, which is uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on Um, Ah, Yes, episode 185 Indeed There you go (laughs) So, uh, for anyone who kind of hasn't heard me kind of wax lyrical about it way back on episode 185. Um, this is a film kind of uh directed by Dean Flesher Camp, um, written by Dean Flesher Camp and Jenny Slate. And Jenny Slate also voices the character of Marcel. Um, and Marcel is a shell with shoes on, and it's a kind of faux documentary where, um, a guy has moved into an Airbnb the guy played by Dean Flesherkamp, camp he moves into an Airbnb and finds already living there this small shell with like one kind of kind of silly eye and shoes who talks and is kind of childish and naive and kind of full of wonderment um and talks about the community that she has and all these weird and wonderful things. She lives there with her grandmother, and I don't think I've i felt so kind of happy from watching a film, and so kind of utterly surprised from watching a film because it came it literally came out of nowhere. I I had not heard never heard of it before. It's based on a number of kind of uh, short films that they do that you can find on um, YouTube, um, and I was looking for something to watch, and I. Glanced over because it was on um, Sky Cinema. It was on there, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, it's to to your point, Sam. It's like it's like ninety minutes." And my wife is often she likes watching films, but she likes to go to bed quite early, so you can never watch if you want to watch a film during the week. Anyway, it kind of needs to be a short film. So I said to her, "How about this? It's a ninety-minute film, and it sounds weird and wonderful." She was like, "Yep, yeah, that's fine. Then watch it." It's all it takes. And like the first five minutes, you are kind of going, "What? What? What is this? This? This is insane." And then suddenly kind of you find yourself laughing uncontrollably and just in a state of wonderment for the next 85 minutes just with a smile on your face. And it's been a long time since I had a film which just kind of grabbed me and it's not trying to do anything more than it is. It's just beautifully made, beautifully animated and just an absolute delight.
1: Um my number four actually i discussed very early on in the year actually um episode 168 actually um i'm a big fan of murder mystery novels and i have tapped this rich vein of uh, of a uh, kind of a subgenre of literature called honkaku which is a mm. um a mystery writers club um that was particularly popular in Japan in the late 80s, and still is popular, I should say. And this was a group of writers who are bonded by a love of what they view to be the golden age of detective fiction. So quite lean novels, um, which are often like locked room mysteries. So thinking about like um, UK listeners, similar to what David Renwick was emulating with Jonathan Creek, for example, Mm. um, which is a series I also love. And as a child, my dad would always kind of pose us as kids, these little kinds of like locked room mysteries for us, you know, to pass the time um, and stuff.
2: <laughs> would he actually lock you in? No, no, no. He'd, he'd, he'd talk about it as a thought experiment.
0: Like slide, slide notes into the um, door.
2: <laughs> and to get out of the room, you must answer my puzzles three. And
1: so I've I've always grown up loving like that. I like, I like that feeling yeah. of feeling like an idiot and having that moment of realisation where everything clicks into place. Like last December was another thrill to play the um, exit advent calendar, which has become a no- wonderful Christmas mm. tradition. Every day feels like that. Yeah. Um, so this is The, the Dekigen House Murders from, by Yukito Ayatsuji, published in 87, but only printed into English in 2015. So that's why it's, it's, it's kind of new for us yeah. um, English speakers. Um, and it's like Agatha Christie's and then there went on. There's an island. Um, people are getting killed off. It doesn't make sense because they seem to be the only ones there. So it must be one of them, mustn't it? But there's also something happening on the mainland. mainland. Another mystery there that's talking about trying to solve a mystery of this island from um, a year ago before. So these two separate mysteries are kind of occurring simultaneously and you're invested in both equally. And the payoff is great. This is a great holiday read of a book mm. um, I read The Millhouse Murders which was their second book they did in this kind of series um, I didn't enjoy it as much um, no. but The Decadent House Murders absolutely loved it Germany went into one of my favourite murder mysteries of all time and one that I will always happily recommend to
2: people and uh, Pete's number four is it just says Germany Germany the, the, <laughs> the nation of Germany I presume our trip away with Pete yeah a glorious time lots of memories yeah there, that's no particular order, no. remember? We spoke
1: about episode 182 of the pod our Sojourn around Germany and Pete
2: disposing of his boxes. <laughs> I'm sure that's when he says lots of memories. That's what he's thinking. Right. Um, let's let I'm, I'm going to rattle through my number three because uh, we, we've spoken enough about this game, and I mean, I've played lots of incredible games, um, in. 2023 and we've spoken about a lot of incredible board games but finally playing twilight imperium third edition was a momentous occasion and for it to live up to oh yes every single bit of bit of hype yeah i mean it, it, it is a combination of the game being exceptionally good and being able to share that with the two of you pete and two other Really good friends of mine, and and for us all to have that as a as a shared experience over one day is truly something um, exceptionally special. And um, uh, whether that will ever happen again, I don't know. Oh yes, know. of and course it, it does. Will, Sam. Of course it will. Um, but yeah, it it's um, it loved lived up to every ounce of its of of its billing uh, being one of the best board games of all time. And I and I loved every single hour of the ten hours that it took <laughs> it
1: was ten hours for something. us to play gosh mm. wow yeah. it was an extraordinary experience it genuinely was and um and i i think I, I would love that for this i would really love for this to be something annual because i mean how often i can't remember the last time really where other than obviously what we have sam Warboys that actually have an mm-hmm. event based around the game that feels an event and everyone treats it with that degree of reverence this is an event
2: i mean we had it we had it, it had its own playlist the game is incredible but i think part of what's I included my top five was that experience with
0: with all of you. Meanwhile, on Dan's number three... See, I was struggling to think of it. I was looking at all the options that I'd got down and I was thinking, okay, well, what have I just... What have I enjoyed this year? What have I watched the most of this year? Like, and as I was thinking that, I was like, well, because of the circumstance I find myself with having two small children, the the show I've watched more than anything else is Bluey. And okay, Bluey is a phenomenal TV show. Not, not mm-hmm. a phenomenal kids show. It's a phenomenal TV show. I and I may have seen some of it prior to this year. <laughs> but I feel like this year, may, perhaps because my, my second child is now loving it as well, so it's, it's on a lot more, and I can use that as a way to get the rubbish shows that she wants to watch off. I can always put Bluey on and she'll go for that. But, obviously, mm. Bluey is kind of, at its core, directed at kids. It's on the CBeebies channel. It's on Disney Plus as well. But, it, I mean, it is a kid show. It's an, it's an Australian animated show about a group of Australian dog, a family of dogs. Um, and Bluey is the kind of... It's two sisters, Bluey and Bingo, and Bluey's the main character. But what Bluey does the sh- as the show is quite incredible. It deals, it offers kind of comedy, which is genuinely funny. You have characters which are genuinely mm-hmm. funny. You have gen- characters who you like and you kind of want to watch. But mm. every now and again, you'll find yourself watching it. And to be fair, I, I will happily watch it. When the kids are watching it, I will happily watch it. it. It works on a number of levels. The animation at its core is brilliant for really young children brilliant for you really young children as kids get a bit older they can pick up on the stories they can pick up on the jokes a bit more they can enjoy it and then as you get older there may be some of the wittier stuff older kids can enjoy it and when you get to the adults there are certain episodes which are quite profound and they deal with very serious issues but done in a way that it's all about the kids story but for an adult watching it like for example these are some of the issues that bluey this kids tv show has dealt with it deals with kind of parental insecurity, people being insecure about how they are as, as parents and are they doing a good enough job. It deals with kind of growing up and in independence, using classical music. It uses um, Gustav Holt's The Planets um, oh, as, as, as part of that. That's the Sleepy Time episode. It deals with kind of the passage of time, the concept of heaven. It deals with female infertility. It deals with childhood trauma, all of this stuff, and it does it in a really nuanced, really subtle way. Bluey is just an incredible TV show for anyone to watch,
2: and it's not the only blue thing in the list. Oh, look, see what he did there! That was...
0: he did, yeah. I I, do, I did spot that.
1: I want to talk about a series that came in towards the end of last year. Where mm. I almost did a little bit of a Sam Turner I watched one episode and I said this is incredible This is the best thing I've seen all year <laughs> um, I don't need to watch anymore um, This is Blue Eye Samurai yes. And I've noticed in my top Oof. five There's a there's a kind of a An eastern kind of thread running through it In an interesting manner yeah. really um, I've actually got the Akira Kurosawa Samurai Collection Which is going to be something I'm going to be watching All of this year As well and I watched, as I say, I watched this first episode. I fell in love with it. This comes, this is on Netflix. And it comes from a husband and wife team, Amber Noizumi and Michael Green. Now, Amber Noizumi, this is their first production credit, their first writing credit. But Michael Green, he, he wrote the script for Blade Runner 2049, Logan, and randomly all of Kenny Branner's Agatha Christie films. <laughs> yeah, really? I know it's really interesting. Um, But it's also directed by Jane Wu and Jane Wu um, has a really fascinating background. Um, They were they used to own a comic book shop. They cut their teeth as a storyboard artist for the Marvel films. So they did a lot of the major action sequences were storyboarded by them, which if you look at the fight choreography in Blue Eye Samurai, it's really Mm. on point. And they talked in an interview, Vanity Fair, quite candidly about the the gender politics of being a female storyboard artist amongst a load of blokes who would try and outdo each other with trying to make their camera angles more dynamic than each other's in terms of action. And they said, "Look, I'm not going to bother getting involved with that. I'm just going to really focus on the emotions of the character in this particular action beat, and that, let that determine the framing of the shot. And that's what made them stand out." And thinking about blue Eye Samurai, one of the things that really sticks out for me is its fight choreography. Mm. Second to that, um, what you've got is this husband and wife team who've had this idea for this drama in their head for like over 10 years. Because this is a historical action um, animated series, uh, eight episodes, each one's about an hour. It's set in 17th century Japan, Um, where essentially the country has closed its borders. So Mm -hmm. any kind of foreign presence is viewed with real hostility and revulsion. And what you have as the protagonist is Mizu, who is a half-white, half-Japanese, blue-eyed swordmaster who embarks on a quest for revenge. And that's what this this premise is, really. But um, But both Noizumi and Green, they had a child. And... In an interview, Noizimi talks about the fact that she became really, um, to start off with, quite preoccupied with the colour of her daughter's eyes when they were born. Because, you know, most babies are born with blue eyes and over time that changes colour. Um, but it didn't happen for their daughter. And, and it, it gave her a pause for thought, thinking, why am I so fixated on this? And that kind of sowed the seeds for this protagonist and this story, really. And then late in the day, they decided actually animation is where we think this this how the story should be told really. And I'm so glad they went down that route because mm-hmm. the animation is absolutely gorgeous in
2: this, isn't it, Sam? It, it's absolutely stunning, and it's and it manages to get such a fluidity to its animation style, and it's um and it's not just its action scenes, but also just in how like the whole scenes play out and how characters move and how they talk to each other and and the shots that they pick like it is just such a wonderful thing to watch it's just like you know if it it, it's just like watching watercolor on the screen for for an hour like it's just such a pleasing Yeah, yeah yeah Thing to
1: watch on the eye it's yeah. cool it's slick it's poignant it's blood soaked and it's also quite erotic tick 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 <laughs> but i'm not as curious um as that as to obviously find out Pete's number three which was a steam deck have you heard the pizza got a steam deck have you got one sam as well
0: when did you get that? You've never mentioned that.
2: Uh, but the Steam Deck for Pete has changed the way he engages with games. So I'm assuming that he can play them on the toilet now. Yeah, basically, basically yes. that's it. Yeah. Speaking of number twos, Dan. <laughs> mine is something that uh, I've tried to encourage all of you to watch. Um, uh, and so part of the reason I'm bringing it up again is because I, I think it is... Yeah, uh, you, sh- you guys should still watch it. <laughs> It is How To with John Wilson. It's really difficult to describe what How To with John Wilson is and how good it is because it sounds exceptionally banal um, and it sounds uh, exceptionally contrived as well. Um, And you really have to see it to believe it and to understand how earnest and how genuine it is as a as a documentary series. The way that I thought of it was that it's basically How To With John Wilson is what if Louis Threw was forced to make his own documentaries without a camera crew and basically only had ideas such as... So instead of investigating, for example, Scientology, it was how to cook the perfect risotto or how to cover your furniture. Like, John Wilson has the same acerbic and... Uh, wit and um, way of engaging with the world as someone like Louis Theroux does but he just chooses to shine the light on the ordinary and the the, the commonplace and in that he finds a level of beauty and humour and understanding that I've not really seen in any other documentary and how he how he puts his films together is it's it's just it's just remarkable like he he must have filmed pretty much his whole life for however many years and he must meticulously label every single thing he films because whenever he mentions something in a script he's got a piece of film that either is a metaphor for the action or is a perfect um, analogous representation of, of what he's talking about. So if he's, if he mentions something falling apart, it would be something falling apart in mm. that, that he's seen in New York. Or if he, if he, you know, talks about, you know, someone cooking risotto, it will be of a chef not knowing he's been filmed by John Wilson cooking a, a risotto like the level of heart and candor and earnestness in in them is is remarkable and just through the conversations that he has and the images that he gets he just is able to bring out the beauty and even the the smallest things he's able to make the ridiculous seem normal and Mm. yeah they they're just remarkable short little documentaries and and if i was going to recommend anyone watch any um there's um actually there's two there's one how to split a bill where he he attends he ends up t- attending a referees convention that is the most unruly and unhinged <laughs> convention that that has ever been committed like they, there's people like stealing stuff at this referees convention like they cannot referee themselves yeah. it's 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 but it's just like one of those beautiful things that that it's just like no one's ever paid attention to and he just manages to shine a camera on it and capture the beautiful things in life and then there's another one the last episode of the series which is how to cook a perfect risotto which happens just as covid's hitting and it's one of those in the moment analyses of what was happening at that time and and trying to find even the beauty in what was a very very horrific moment for for all of us and especially someone who's living in the heart of new york city but yeah they're they're in, they're incredible pieces of work and um i urge everyone to to find them out and
1: watch them. can, can i ask because when i read the premise of this I, i've not seen any episodes of this it sounds right up my street yeah you'd love it you both would love it like oh I apart from thinking oh, i wish this was a podcast because I've listened to a few podcasts, you know, you've recommended me a few, Sam. So, for example, I think of Heavyweight, mm. I think of yeah. The Mystery Show, which, which kind of starts yeah. off with this, uh, w- start off with one premise, you know, I want to solve this mystery. How tall is Jake Gyllenhaal? Or I want to kind of meet up with my, you know, high school girlfriend and see, you know, <laughs> why this. And then you just end up going down this kind of labyrinthine kind of journey. You have no idea where you're going to end up.
2: Yeah, that, I mean that's exactly that's exactly how each of the episodes um, go go on to. I think there's there's one which is talks about how to cover your furniture, and he he ends up down this rabbit hole trying to speak to someone to a man who's trying to regrow his own foreskin. And when you're talking about like and stretch it over a sofa, <laughs> and when you're talking about like, um, you know should this do you need the images just for that one episode alone there is one bit that i literally had to had to pause the the whole film because i could not stop laughing to how like you just watch him talking to this guy and you just like and you and you can feel the edit coming and you can feel the cutaway coming and you're just like he's not is he he's not tell me he's the next image is not going to be yep there it is (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, and he's, and he's like, in typical Louis through fashion, he's like talking to this guy earnestly, yeah. whilst he's explaining in full graphic detail the efforts he's going to to try and reclaim his foreskin, as he calls it. Reclaim? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, it's just like had me in absolute wow. tears. Like, it's just the most incredible documentary series. It's such a special thing. Uh, yeah, tr- truth is
1: stranger than fiction, isn't it? Really, I mean. That-
0: well yeah absolutely. That's
1: yeah.
2: amazing
0: my number two uh my number two my number one and number two have changed repeatedly um i could i've gone back and forth on this um as things stand right in this second. my number two is uh the t v series of the last of us
2: now I completely forgotten that this came out last year. <laughs>
0: Yeah so this this Completely. was an astonishing piece of television. Now the last of us um this series is based on the first last of us game and I think the first last of us game is probably my favorite game of all time. Um I think it is the best the, the best executed narrative of any game I've ever played. Um and this show manages to in uh, one be the best adaptation of a video game ever. I don't think there's much question around that. Um, but also, in its own right, be a fantastic TV show. It uses visuals from the game very effectively at times. So one of the the, mm. the first examples of this is um, an early scene from the game is where they're trying to escape in a car and the camera is kind of in the middle of the car and it's rotating. And you kind of, as soon as they get in the car in the TV show, you know that's what they're going to do. And you're kind of like, okay, yeah. is this gonna work? Is it not? But maybe it's because the game is so cinematic; it absolutely works. And you are in that kind of environment, and you're there, and you feel it. It's when I when I was watching it, I was just kind of astonished as to how well they were picking and choosing the moments and what to dwell on, what's not. Because the, in the in the end, the game itself is a shooter. Most of the time, you run around with a gun shooting monsters, and yet in the series, there's very little of that, to the mm. point that when it does happen, it becomes shocking, which is brilliant. And at no point do you feel there's no threat, even though surprisingly, the, the zombies actually quite, well, the zombies are the infected, um, aren't as big a presence in the TV show as visually anyway in terms of being on screen as in the game because obviously they're there as a as a constant in the game but in the tv show they are kind of sort of in the background there's this ongoing threat but because you're not being hit with them every single time when they do show up suddenly okay this is in, this is trouble now and you feel that threat immediately the only other point i'd make is there is an episode of this TV show, which is the third episode, which I think is one of those things where suddenly everyone is talking about it, and mm. I don't want to go into detail because I think it's a sh- it's an episode that needs to be experienced, and even if you've played the game, you will kind of not be prepared for it because it it's the one time it takes a real kind of deviation away from the game, um, but it is a just a beautiful piece of television uh that should be admired and discussed kind of everywhere obviously sam would this a major top 5 if you had remembered it um i don't know it just
2: i think for me it was um and will this make sense the last of us for me was a very great achievement but i didn't think it was a very good tv show i thought it was a great tv show And I think it was great what Craig Mazin achieved with it and the ambition, but it just, for me, it was lacking. Was it as good as Chernobyl? No.
0: Every now and again, I get kind of a bug. Same with Uncharted. I want to kind of play those games again. The TV series kind of sated that, but it was still a fantastic, as I'm saying an achievement, but for me, it was a fantastic TV show. And, there are some yeah. narrative deviations, kind of some. I think me at the time me and Sam discussed, there was one in particular that me and Sam both really objected to. Small deviations, that was, but um, there are there are some ones. And then there's one big deviation, which is the one I kind of alluded to, which is one of the best seri- episodes of television I've ever seen.
1: I mean... My number two is also what I feel to be a very good TV series. It's an adaptation, Mm. but it is a looser, much looser adaptation. I would say it's probably more inspired by its source text, which is The Fall of the House of Usher by Mike Flanagan, um, which he spoke about on 186 of the pods. Uh, At the same time, he spoke about Twilight Imperium, incidentally. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I spoke about it quite lengthily in episode 186. But um, in my opinion, it's the second best thing Mike Flanagan's ever done. And I'm a big Mike Flanagan fan. And for me, what clinched it in terms of where it would be in my top 10 was the fact that at the end of every episode, me and my partner had to literally kind of say, look, no, no we we can't. We have to go to bed. We've got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> we We can't just watch the next episode. And... You know, we we'd speak to each other the next day. And go, oh my gosh! I wonder what's going to happen next. I wonder who's going to go next. I wonder how it's going to happen. Oh my word! What does this mean? What does that mean? Oh, really, really good. I think you know, horror for me when it's coupled with mystery is how I really enjoy that genre. And Flanagan is a master of this, so I highly recommend it. Mm. For any of you, any listener who's never been exposed to Mike Flanagan's work before, start with Hill House. Then do for okay. the House of Usher because
2: this is my like if you're if you're going to watch How to with John Wilson I am going to watch some Mike Flanagan okay yeah a- we'll watch them together simultaneously we'll
1: have our headphones in Sam <sighs> Pete's number two um, the rise of House Willington was uh, his work with the Bristol RPG so
2: yes this is the RPG that he runs in his local library so playing Troika that was his that was his
0: number two.
1: But drumroll, please, Sam, you're number one.
0: Do we do, do we do number ones or are we doing honourable mentions?
2: Yeah, it's a good shout. Honourable mention, Sam. So my honourable mention was the game that uh, I wanted to mention because it's a game I've played the most this year. I've put about 30, 40 hours into this game. Um, and you might be thinking, oh, with that much time in it, why isn't it your favourite game? Well, I'll tell you for why. Um, But this is Marvel's Midnight Suns, a game made by Firaxis, released this year. Um, And you may know that one of my top five games of all time is XCOM 2, made by Firaxis. And I was like, oh, yeah, come on, give me that Marvel, give me that Firaxis strategy. I am am in. This is, after Marvel's Spider-Man by Insomniac, the best Marvel video game that you can play. Uh, The characters are excellent. The, um, how they depict the characters of Marvel is, is superb, how they interact with each other and the um, the animation stylings and the voice acting is all top-notch, superb stuff. Like It's a very, very impressive package. And how the game works, it's all turn-based strategy, but it's all done by card play. So each character has their own deck of cards and you use that deck of cards to defeat members of hydra however the reason <laughs> the reason why it's not made my top five i think i know what is it is it is, is it the downtime stuff it's the absolutely 100 percent. the downtime between the good stuff is infuriating um to give you a bit of a slice of life i'm currently having to in between battling members of hydra and battling against people like Sabretooth and, Sco- and Skullbones, whatever his name is. And, you know, um, trying to recruit Wolverine into the crew, all that exciting stuff. I'm also a member of a book club with Captain America, Blade and, um, and Captain Marvel. Um, I've taken such a massive umbrage with this book club that I've forced Blade now to walk around with a T-shirt that says book club on it. <laughs> Which dramatically reduces his level of cool. Yeah. But yeah, but the the yeah, the downtime it like the the game loop is you battle, you join a hangout with someone from the Marvel crew, and then you have to go to sleep. And then you wake up and then your day starts again. You do a bit of research, you buff up your deck, you battle, you join a hangout, and then you go to sleep. Like it is one of I think it is one of the worst gameplay loops that I think I've ever encountered. And it's in every time having to know that I've got to battle once and then fall asleep and wake up again before I can That's have inferior. another battle. Yeah, it just, it's, oh, it's, it's so annoying. If there was an option to just do the battles and not go to sleep, and it cost a tenner. I'd pay a tenner quite easily just to remove it from the game. Wow! But, that, uh, but that's but but that's your um, honourable mention,
1: Sam. What's your number
2: one? Yeah. So my number one is a case of the Golden oh, Idol. Um, such a good game. Which, which is in, I, I, it's just the game that has stuck with me throughout the entire year when I when I first played it to to now. Even so that over Christmas I. Um, I uh I I bought the DLC to play over Christmas because I thought like Christmas is a wonderful time for like mysteries yeah, and yeah, ghost yeah, yeah, stories yeah. And, and things like that. So so the case of the Golden Idol is, and this is the world's dumbest but smartest video game genre, is is a Metroid Brainier. <laughs> so, um so it, it's a game in a similar fashion to something like um to something like Curse of the Oberdin. Return of the Oberdin, one of my
1: top ten games of all time.
2: The case of the Golden Idol, I mean, I think I um the art style is not necessarily for me. Yeah. Um it's not in, in terms of what's nicer to look at, Return of the Oberdin or or this it's hands down Return of the Oberdin. But for me, the puzzles and how they're laid out and how you solve them in case of the Golden Idol, for me I I felt Better, more comfortable, and more supported in this than I did in Return of the Obra Dinn. Like I, I, I think this is the better deduction game. It is just, it's just superb. And I think the way it handles its puzzles and the way it handles its story. I was did I did a recap just before I went in to play the DLC over Christmas and the story and how detailed and how winding and how magically constructed it is and how detailed and how complex it is to get all that across in a single 2D piece of artwork, to get all that across and to get your head around it in in a puzzle deduction Metroid Brainier game is a superb piece of work. I can't wait for their next game oh, yeah. because it's 3D. It's just been announced and last I don't, year, wasn't it? It's, it's yeah, yeah. So I just don't know what it is that it's going to be, but I know I completely trust them in terms of consistently making you feel like the smartest person alive. <laughs> and any game that makes me feel like that always gets a always gets a uh uh a, a thumbs up for me. But Case of the Golden Idol is absolutely superb. And if you're looking for a a good deduction game or a good puzzle game for this new year, then you could not do any worse really than That's that. That's a one.
1: great recommendation. Dan, your honourable mm. mention.
0: My honourable mention um is uh the third series of only murders in the building um so we're big fans of the only murders in the building uh series here we've talked about it quite a long time ago now obviously when it first came out the first series um kind of a murder mystery uh with martin short steve martin selena gomez um it's smart it's funny but for me, kind of the third series um which came out this year, really kind of took it to another level um part of it is uh, i'm 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 a sucker for a musical, and this this series is all based around the kind of the production of a music and the production of the thia- theater and all that stuff, which again right in my wheelhouse um right up my street mm-hmm. um so I, I just think it was it was a real step up, and those the first two series were were great. There were bits that I didn't like about the third series, so it wasn't kind of perfect. I think they kind of stepped away from the the three leads kind of working together. I'd like to have seen a bit more of them, but kind of mm-hmm. it seems weird to say. Kind of, it's a surprising thing, but Meryl Streep is in it, and she is astonishing. Like. Martin Short, Steve yeah. Martin, Selena Gomez, they're great. Like, the people in this show is great. But when Meryl Streep walks on screen, you just see how she's on a different level to everyone else. And I, I, I've i never really noticed it kind of so distinctly before. And she's just phenomenal. Um, whether it's kind of the scenes that she's in, like, I was constantly trying to work her out. I was trying to see kind of little looks she was doing. Was she... Like And that leads into that whole brilliant murder mystery idea of you can't really trust anyone. And obviously, you've got Meryl Streep. She's going to be a big part of this. You don't get Meryl Streep if she's not going to be a big part of it. So you're kind of thinking, ooh, is is, is, is she the murderer? Um, along with her, you've got Paul Rudd, who's also brilliant in it. I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. at Meryl Streep's level, because literally, she's on another level. Um, but like you can see how successful they're being that for this third series, they're about to bring in these big heavyweights like these are not like Meryl Streep doesn't really do television. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen her in a TV show before. And this is like a, a cute little comedy. This isn't kind of the crown or like when that was came out, this big mega budget kind of the like rings of power, that kind of thing where all the money's been thrown at it. This is a really small kind of small. Fa- is it a small fan base now? I don't know. Um, But I was just kind of, I don't think with any of the other series I've watched clips after having watched an episode. I I've not done that for the previous series whereas this one I like, I'd be absorbing kind of I'm wanting to go and rewatch clips. And that helps the fact that there are songs in it and the performances in it and I will want to watch those again because they they they're wonderful, but I don't think I've talked about the series more than I talked about this one. Um my wife has never really watched it before. Um, she's a she's a drama teacher. She's very into kind of theatre, and so she was uh, drawn in by the kind of the context of it all being based around the theatre. And she watched the first episode. Having never really wanted to watch it before, I tried to get her to watch, it and she'd always said no. She first watched the first episode and was like, "Yeah, maybe we could go back to the start and watch all of this." <coughs> so we literally, like, maybe it was like three episodes into the the third series, we're like, we went right back to the start and said, "Okay, episode one," and all the way through. And then by the time we got to the end we then got the whole of the third series to be able to watch and it was just it was just an absolute delight it didn't quite crack my top five but i just absolutely loved it this year
1: but dan what was your number one
0: my number one was also kind of a a follow-on series um to another show and this was a show i talked about at the end of 2022
1: episode 164 of the pod
0: and that show was the bear and this is uh the bear season two um when i when i mentioned earlier about the last of us i talked about um that one episode being like one of the best episodes i've ever seen and so it's it's quite strange that within this series as well i have the exact same thing there was i was an episode of this series that i watched and i was like that was one of the most incredible episodes of television i've ever seen whether it's the writing it's the performances it's it's everything i don't know how this show is can be directed it's so chaotic and it's so tightly wound and it's you watch it and you just think i'm just watching improvisation because yeah. it's so kind of natural and every single person is um the reason there's there's a there's a key reason why i think this is possibly one of the greatest this is this is definitely my favorite show of the year i can't think of another show that's had this reaction in me as i got to the end of this series there were several moments where I either sh- said something or shouted something at the screen. I had a physical reaction to things that are happening. And I don't do that. That's not me. I don't react that way to kind of TV shows or films or anything like that. I can enjoy them. I'm really happy. Like, I'll watch Endgame, like, I'll watch the Marvel films. And, like, yes, I can really get into and that stuff. But, like, I would, like, there were times I was shouting at the screen. And I was on my own. I wasn't watching it with anyone else, and it was like s- so surreal that like, I was gasping, like literally, on my 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 hands were kind of covering my face at certain times. This series is better than the first series because it has more propulsion. The whole first series is kind of setting the setting the table, to use the the kind of the the, the dining analogy, where the the main character of Kami returns to this small little restaurant and tries to take over because his brother has committed suicide. So he's taking over and trying to fix it and trying to say, okay, can I turn it into something better? And then this second series is all about kind of, okay, we're going to make this into a high-end restaurant. How do we do it? And that's the whole proportion for the series. So you have that kind of journey. It's not just existing with these characters and, and kind of things happen. Whereas because you have this proportion, you are carried through it and they can introduce kind of more background to the characters and expand the characters and expand kind of the families. And there are flashbacks in different bits and pieces. And it is just... I know I don't think you guys have watched The Bear. um, It is a very intense show. It is a very intense show, but the payoffs are unbelievable. I mean, talking about kind of the cast for um, Only Murders... It's not at that level, but you have cameos in this series from like people like Olivia Colman, who just shows up. Mm. They're, they're, they're attracting people because people want to be a part of this. Actors want to be a part of this because it's so... I, I genuinely think it's a special show. I really do.
1: Um, my honourable mention and my number one are actually in the fantasy genre because I've noticed that last year, nationally and internationally... I think it can be agreed that it was a bit of a bin fire globally, um, mm.
0: to a degree. Yeah. I
1: mean, ironically, it was one of the best years of my life, really. But um, I've noticed that in terms of the the stuff I've kind of engaged with media-wise, it tends to be stuff that has been more escapist than something that's, say, set in uh, the kind of the present day or in the kind of everyday world. And so I think it's quite interesting that both of mine are um, escapist uh, genres, really. Um, my honourable mention is Lord of the Rings Journeys of Middle Earth, which is the big box of mm-hmm. Middle Earth stuff, as Sam referred to it in the last episode of the pod, <laughs> that I picked up at Aircon. Um, that I was, yeah. I, As I was kind of love-bombed by both Sam and Pete after I arrived there, you know, because I've been on the fence about purchasing this game for a while from Fantasy Flight because it is quite expensive. However, the beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. bring and buy sale at Aircon, which is the gift that keeps on giving, it gave us the last card of Twilight Imperium. It gave us Twilight Imperium. Um did. And Salmon, you and I have played this. It's an app-driven game. We've spoken about it on a previous episode of the pod, episode 176. Um, now we know how to play it. Because I've been teaching Sam the rules wrong, <laughs> which made it incredibly hard for us because <laughs> we couldn't understand why we weren't winning any um, levels we were playing. Yeah,
2: I, I did think that was quite. But, quite still, having strange, a time, but yeah. still having a good time. Still having
1: a good time. For me, it's been an absolute joy. I can play it solo. I can have a game going with Sam. I can equally have a game going with uh, my old neighbour. It's saved on my tablet. And the game just remembers all of those games. And I can jump back into any of those at any point, really. There's DLC I can download um, with a game I've got. In the future, I may want to plump for an expansion, but there's still parts of Middle-earth I'm yet to discover. So that was not the honourable mention for me. My number one, though, Mm, um, has been there pretty much since the beginning of the year, episode 173 of the pod. Um, That's Dungeons & Dragons, Honour Among Thieves from Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. This film... It's not going to set the world alight. This isn't the bear. Um, this is not the case of the Golden Idol. Um, it's paint by numbers to a degree. It is the quest structure narrative. A band of misfits get together to save the world in a kind of fantasy realm, you know. Yeah. Um, but with the names of Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who did Game Nights, which I know is a film that you and I both love, Sam. I really yeah, enjoyed this absolutely. film. Absolutely. Um, it's really funny. It's, it's the kind of humour that I really gravitate towards. The music by Lorne Balfe is stunning as well in it. There's almost as much love and attention given to the soundtrack um, as what Howard Shaw does for Lord of the Rings. Every character has their own motif. And the fact that, you, you know, you were talking about um, Eager beforehand, that you're kind of laughing with them, the director, rather than at them. Yeah, That's Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. on and Among Thieves. It's not doing that Big Bang Theory thing of making fun of nerds and laughing at nerds. No. You're actually laughing at the situation that these characters are in. And every every actor in it um, is fantastic. And I've watched this film so many times this year. Um, I showed it to my future father-in-law in Portugal with a dodgy internet connection, which meant that it, 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 the film would pause every two minutes. So it added an extra 30, 40 minutes on the runtime. Um but even he had a good time with that. Um out there. So um I had an absolute blast. I'm hopefully I'm gonna be going to see Pete soon. I may subject him to this.
2: I've got a bottle of Baileys for him. Oh do. Um I th- Yeah, just just put the bottle of Bailey's yeah. down and just he'll watch everything um, then. But yeah,
1: so Dungeons and Dragons on Amongst Thieves was my number one. And kind of coming full circle, really, it's quite lovely. Pete's honourable mention was Twilight Imperium, third edition. Bra- um, forward slash Drive with Dan, which oh. is lovely because you saved the day, Dan. We're not going to talk about the Curse of Willington because we've done that. Pete now has a selenite wand. We've spoken about this. Let's draw a line under it for 2024. But he had a
2: lovely time in the car with you. Um, but what But what was Pete's number one, Sam? Pete's number one was a game he spent over 200 hours playing. I don't get it. He played Marvel Snap for over 200 hours in 2023, um, and he's still loving it apparently so that was his not in any
0: order but he's played more than half an hour a day for the last year i played one
1: game of that and i knew i never wanted to play it again (laughs) 200 hours
2: (laughs) right so that is it that is our um top five things
0: i think i think it's quite impressive and it kind of goes to show kind of how good our year has been that genuinely we all came up with our list separately And like of our top fives, there are five, there are 20 things and every single one of them was different. There was no duplication of our top fives at all. So.
2: And also, I think it was quite interesting that there's quite a few things that we hadn't even mentioned on the podcast before.
0: Bluey. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Bluey. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I think it just says a lot about, you know, the podcast, but it also says a lot about. A lot about us that i think these five things are very you know taking some pizza for example like i think some of them are very very personal things and very very things that have meant something to us on a different level rather other than oh this is really cool i'm going to share this with my with my friends um which says a lot about you know what we what we value most about the podcast but also mm. you know i think the top five list says a lot about you know what's been good for us individually um, over 2023
1: well let's l- know if you've got recommendations for the new hotness or things that perhaps we didn't get to in 2023 or new upcoming things in 2024 that could be games that could be comics that could be books that could be films that could be television series it could be batteries
0: i i really want a lot of new things so please yes do dan in particular send in mm. yours
1: um, um so please do let us know um where can you find us you can find us at stayinginpod at gmail.com that is our email Or you could slide into our DMs. Is that still a thing that is used, that expression? Um, On Twitter, Um, at stayinginpod is where you can find us there. Also at Facebook at the same handle. Instagram tends to be our kind of more popular avenue in terms of seeing images of uh, things we've been getting up to. Um, Sam's been doing Sterling work recently as a recording, talking about his hefty unboxing of Mage Night, which you and I are going to play this week. And and with this massive list of top, as you say, Dan, 20 things here, I mean, my Spotify playlists, oh, I'm going to be adding some lovely juicy beats to that. Um, so you can find that on Spotify. That's in, um, if you go into our Instagram, there's a lovely little link there, which takes you to all of our, a portal, essentially, It takes you to all the various kinds of channels for our show, really. And if you want to get in touch with us, ask any questions or just let us know that you like what you're hearing, Um, we'd love to hear from you. And thank you for listeners Mm. in 2023 who did get in touch and say, oh, thank you for that recommendation. Have you thought of this as well? Thank you. That was really, really lovely. Um, I do think, though, this is the time. I know, Dan, you've got thoughts. Do we need to come up with an outro that we're going to stick to for 2024? A closing Ooh, line. Or a new sign. At off. the moment we've been fast and loose with the alright then, um, depending on who's editing. Yeah. So can mm. we categorically decide on an outro that says okay,
2: end. End. Um see you see you see you on the see you on the see you on the beach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean a lovely kind of paraphrasing of churchill's
2: see you on the beach <laughs> see you on the beach
1: i mean <laughs> nobody's comp- nobody's put through I, anything else yet so i mean maybe... i mean the
0: the <laughs> no. kind of the, the the marketing team would be like something along the lines of thanks for staying in or something like that let's get let's, let's get corporate
2: that's too it stuffy is. isn't it it is a bit
1: yeah. too made me feel a bit icky that did
2: just before we finish our first show of twenty twenty four just to say um uh do have a great year i hope you um uh, really get from it what you what you want to if you'd like to um see us in twenty twenty four then we are gonna be um at aircon yes. and we'd love for you to join us um if if you can but if not just remember to keep staying in in your hearts but we really value it and we hope that you have an absolutely awesome ace 2024. Right. See you on the beach. See you on (laughs) the (laughs) beach.